You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, the Utes get a roaring comeback against the Washington State Cougars. We're talking transfers coming into the program and recapping a little bit of signing day from last week. I'm Cameron and we got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. It was a comeback for the ages. Before we get into this game, you know, kind of breaking it down, giving our thoughts, I just want to take this moment because this is a rare opportunity on this podcast. We have... Oh, you should something oh, this Cam, of this shouldn't. magnitude. <laughs> I wanna I wanna bring on a special guest. The current president of the Jake Bentley fan club. Yes. Let's let let take it away. Cheer at that one. All right. All right. It's good to be here, everybody. Been a big fan of the podcast for wah, years. Wah, wah. Hey, it was a fun week. I was I was the president for for a week, and it was fun, and then it and then it died a terrible death. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, I did tweet out during the game that it was a bit awkward to be in that position while he was playing so poorly. What a first half! Oh, an I, ugly, ugly. Not first only half. for him, but for everybody. Oh my gosh, that was. I remember, okay, since Cam wants to do story time, let's do story time. I remember my first experience going up to Rice Eccles, which I don't think was Rice Eccles at the time. It would have been just Rice Rice Stadium. Stadium. When Mafu was in his prime, storming up and down the sidelines, yelling at players, and there's maybe 12,000 fans in the stands, maybe? Maybe. (laughs) For lucky. And we were awful. That's what the first half reminded me of, was some of my first experiences of Mafu football. I remember those days, too, looking up at the press box, yelling at Tommy Lee. And he could actually hear you because there was (laughs) nobody there. The must was still in heaven. (laughs) It was uh, just a a bad first half overall. Utah's down 21 to 7 at halftime. Their lone score came off a 91-yard touchdown throw. The uh, Cameron called lucky at the time. I did call it lucky because <laughs> it was uh, to Britton Covey. Just, uh, but I mean, it kind of sh- it was what we've kind of seen from this Utah team all season. Just the inconsistency, and especially from the quarterback position. And I mean, I don't want to dog on, on Bentley. He he's given his all, and it, and it wasn't enough. It just. <laughs> 7 of 14, 153 yards, granted 91 came off one yeah, play. I mean, so it's six, it, really 62 yards 62 minus yards. that one play. It, Yikes. Uh, interception, just this is the inept uh, of of getting this team together. And, I mean, we fast forward to the second half. Drew Liss comes in, 15 to 26, 152 yards. I don't think Liss set the world on fire. He didn't come in and have this unbelievable game where he willed the, the team to win. What I think it was, was we just got average play out of the quarterback position. And look what the team was able to do. Well, I, 38 I mean, unanswered points. I, I think that just shows how talented this team is. And when you have a quarterback that 
that's performing at below average, it really slows down and hurts this team. I, I don't know that I'd call Lisk's performance average. Sure, was he lighting the world on fire? No, but I mean, 152 yards of uh, uh, through the air in in a half of football is actually pretty good. It's not that it's not bad. No, okay, you I, do that for an entire game. You're throwing for 300 yards. Oh, the, great point, Sky. I shouldn't take that away because List did come in and he made some big throws. The third down conversion to Jordan, where he just kind of had to float it a little bit um, over the defender. A beautiful play. Um, he, he helped to keep the team moving along. I just I call the average because when you look back at the game, I, I just don't remember spectacular play out of that. And I don't mean to take anything away from List because if List doesn't if List doesn't come in in the game, Utah doesn't win. Well, no, absolutely they don't win. And I think there's a couple of things, though, you've got to take into consideration. He's the third-string quarterback. He didn't come in and just blow the doors off the place. But when you consider him being the third-string quarterback, he he did what he needed to do, and it was clear from the plays that they called, he knew where guys would be, and the coaches had confidence in him to run plays that we probably haven't even seen before this year. Well, you you had, Ludwig had the full offense at his disposal. You you saw it. It was evident. We weren't, we were running more plays. The, um, the offense was more free-flowing. And yeah, I mean, he didn't set the world on fire, but he was pretty, I thought he was pretty good. Still had a couple errant throws in there. But overall, he didn't make the crucial mistake. He I didn't throw the, the bad thing. interception. He didn't fumble the ball away. He almost threw the bad interception. He almost <laughs> did, but that's why DBs, most of them don't have good hands as they're on the, they're playing defense. But I'll tell you, I mean, what a story for him and for all that he's endured and all all the time and energy that he's put into this program that he's just he hasn't been able to see the fruits of all that hard work and in a half of football, his last probably his last game as a in in college, and he goes out and does that. Sure, it's kind of a pointless, meaningless season, but I'll bet you to those guys that it's not meaningless no. what they did. When and uh, you think back to last season, there were a couple of times where we on we here on the podcast we discussed why is Lisk second string in front of Shelley. I think. I think we probably saw some of that on Saturday. Well, we saw that up at Utah State with Shelley's. <laughs> and I mean, no, you know, I'm not trying to rip the kid, but he just, he didn't produce, right? I mean, just like Bentley didn't produce here. And uh, and then you see when Lisk was truly given an opportunity, at least he made the most of it. And uh, so good, good for him. And obviously... Saturday, even after that win, our our quarterback position was in absolute chaos. Things have changed a little bit since then, and we'll we can kind of get into that. But you know, I I just don't recall such a contrast in first to second halves ever. That not just Utah football, just ever. It, it had was it 2018 BYU game? Very, very similar to that. Yeah, yeah it was similar. No intensity, no, it was just lackluster effort. Yeah, I think you could compare those first halves. Yeah, it's for probably sure. pretty darn comparable. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it, I'd have to go back and and watch that first half against BYU. I'm not sure it was quite as bad of what as what we saw Saturday. Just ineptness, nobody caring. 
just seemed like bad game plan. Nothing was working really at any position on the football team. And there was no fire there. And to turn it around at halftime like they did, that was that was good to see. I just wish they could f- figure out how to do this for an entire game. Because that's that's the one thing that you hope does not transition into next year is bad bad half of football, good half of football every game. They've got it they gotta get that I they gotta get that worked I, out. I really hope somebody leaks the footage of the halftime speech. Because clearly, something was said to light a fire. Well, well, Kyle, in his own words, he said that, uh, you know, basically said, do you guys want to wave the white flag and just let them go consider this a victory? Do you want to stay in the locker room? You want to go, if you're going to go out, you're going to fight. Now, let's be honest. He didn't say it that calmly. (laughs) He didn't say it that (laughs) G-rated. And that's what you'd want to see. That's the video you'd want to see is... While he was saying that, how many chairs were broken? How many objects were flying through the air? He's probably whipping people with his long hair. <laughs> As we kind of end talking about Lisk, I, I will say it is great to see a home hometown kid get his moment at Utah. Uh, paid his dues, was a walk-on, earned a scholarship. Uh, I know Bentley said the week prior, the biggest... The biggest help to him this offseason of learning the offense has been Lisk. Uh, and I think that's kind of further, furthers your point, Scott, with Ludwig having that trust, knowing that Lisk knows the offense, being able to open up more of it, being able to go to page three in the playbook with Lisk in there. But just, just an overall great performance uh, by Lisk, and especially for someone who maybe wasn't expecting to get in uh, to really come in and help lift this team. The other guy. I really want to talk about, again, Ty Jordan, Pac-12 Freshman of the Week, 22 carries, 154 yards, three touchdowns. He, he did be, have the fumble, but be, the dude's electric. He should be NCAA Freshman of the Week. It, it, he's got to be, even with only playing five games, he's got to be Freshman All-American, don't you think? I, in consideration, at least, bare minimum. Oh, yeah. I mean, what what he's done is... And it's not just what he's done, it's how he's done it. Well, and then look who's look who he beat out. He beat out Devin Bremfield, Jordan Wilmore, TJ Green, guys that have had experience at this level. Ty Jordan didn't really have an offseason with the program because of COVID. They had a very small camp before the season started and was able to kind of piece that all together to get the reps, to, to, to be that deserving, to be the number one guy. I mean, that just shows how special he is. And uh, as a freshman, to only play five games and have this much of an impact, I mean, people on the East Coast media are starting to talk about him. That's how special this guy is. Well, and and Texas, everybody in Texas is talking about him in Utah right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, the the kid's got it. He's got got star power. He's not just going to be your typical Utah solid stud running back. He's going to be like if he does this for another 2 or 3 years, like he will be in Heisman conversations. He's he's got that flair to him. So the one thing I think he does need to work on in this offseason, ball security. He had another fumble this this past game. 
According I mean, to the Pac-12, he yes, did. I, I mean, he did do a great job at, at pulling it back in before he was down. But still, it goes down as a fumble. It, it does. I, that's one area he needs to improve he, on. And, and sure, and every running back needs to. I don't know if I'd go with it as far as to say he's got a fumbling problem. Because the first fumble was not on him at USC. Freaking Bentley put it like under his face mask. <laughs> and that that's not on him. That's Bentley's fumble. Yes, the Washington, where the guy put the helmet right on the ball, that's his, and, and obviously this last week. So, in 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 my viewpoint, two fumbles in in five games, I don't know that it's a problem, but you definitely don't want it turning into a big problem. Um, and and yeah, any running back t- to really be elite, you've got to be able to hold on to the ball and and not lose those possessions. But uh, what, I mean, what he's doing right now, it's absolutely insane. How many how many freshmen can come into a P five program and make defensive guys look silly at times? How, let's take a step farther. How many freshmen can get Kyle Whittingham's respect as a true freshman? Yeah, absolutely. You don't. You, yeah, you don't see that. I mean, even Zach Moss played as a freshman, but he didn't get this much run. No, he was he was no. your backup. I mean, he, even he. he, he even going to a sophomore year, Zach Moss wasn't the guy. Zach yet. Moss was getting the reps that Mika Bernard's getting right now, right? He gets some spot opportunities, um, but he, I mean, obviously, we still had guys in the program that were were ahead of him, and uh, and over time, he earned, he earned that starting job. But what tie? Why? I mean, you look at him run the touchdown to tie the game fourth and one it's just speed right he's just he's got that elite speed gets to the corner beats everybody to the end zone tie tie ball game no pun intended then we marched down and that run to take the lead from about 14 yards out made three guys was just these little jitterbugs just mm-hmm. jump steps to to his left it was ridiculous that was that was falling like playstation mode yeah what he did well even the if you listen to the that play, the commentators were just nuts. They, they couldn't believe that a guy, that a freshman could could make moves like that. There was no hole there. There was no hole to run no. through. He he did that on his own. It was... It, and then made the secondary it's, it's miss impressive. Him. Made three guys in the secondary I think, I think that's miss The other him. thing that's impressive is, is there are some cases where everyone's just blocked and they're able just to hit that hole and they got a clear path. There was no clear path. He had a guy. He had guys in the backfield. He made miss. He made guys in the linebacker position miss, and then the safety position missed. As good as Zach Moss is, and he's he'll always be legendary in in University of Utah football. But Zach Moss, if he keeps, I mean, if if when Ty Jordan keeps this up, he won't be here long enough to break Zach Moss's record. He's got to be here three years. He's still got two more seasons under his belt. Now, granted. With this season being a shortened season, he he didn't get the touchdowns, right? He didn't get the the, the yards that maybe you would normally get in a in full a, season. Yeah, full season. But uh, yeah, if he if he puts two more incredible seasons together, yeah, he he won't stick around for those records. But there there are some things he does is good, and this is no knock on Zach Moss, but there's some things Ty does that are better. Than Zach Moss, his top end speed it's is better, way better than Zach. Well, and, Moss. and Zach Moss is playing for their, the probably the favorites in the AFC right now to mm-hmm. make it to the Super Bowl. And he was the leading 
get the leading rusher for the Bills this weekend. So <laughs> we're talking about an NFL back, and as a true freshman, I mean, let's not let's not get too carried away. But but I do agree. There are some facets of his game that stand out a little bit brighter mm-hmm. than than what you saw even in four years with Moss. But uh, you know, the, the the tricky part is that's a tough position to stay healthy in. Oh yeah. Especially when you're getting twenty to twenty five carries per game, which he's he's gotten so far. Well, that's the whole key. I mean, if he if he can stay healthy, sky's the limit, but just yeah. you just gotta make sure people don't touch you. How you stay healthy, or don't don't step out of getting out of bed incorrectly. Let's get into the wide receiving position, and, and before we do that, let's take a quick break, and let's come back. Let's talk about Solomon Enos. So, I mean, the wide receivers. I think that they, I think they had a very solid game when they got the ball. Problem is they didn't really get the ball that often, especially in the first half. There's one play in particular where, and I, I screenshot it and, and put up on Twitter. Solomon Enos is jumping up and down, and Bentley just doesn't even look his way. And Bentley tries to run uh, and gets three yards. Bentley didn't look anywhere except for the first receiver ever. It was very. You could tell the frustration was there. Oh, you there saw, was plenty there, of frustration. You saw Enos jumping up and down. Uh, there, You saw a couple in- instances with Thompson. You saw guys shaking their heads. At one point where uh, you saw um, one of the wa- Washington State defenders after a bad pass was laughing at Thompson because of Thompson's reaction. You could tell he was so frustrated. And even the defender knew it was just kind of like poking fun at the whole situation. It was it was not a good, it was not not a, a great moment. Um, well, besides the fact that he couldn't hit wide open receivers, he was throwing Covey into his coffin. Oh, that, several times. Yeah, it wasn't just every, Covey. <laughs> no, I mean, every it ball was, it was the receivers were getting hit. Everything was in front or behind them, leading them into defenders, as you said, Ryan. It. The wide receiving group, I, I know kind of fans, we kind of jump on Twitter a lot and and there's, you know, a lot of rumors about maybe guys leaving or coming. I'm not going to blame anyone for what they do, right? It's their career. Uh, but you got to give credit to these guys. They stuck with it and they had some great, I mean, Solomon Enos, as frustrating as he was, he had some great blocks. Well, that's on that fourth down he's play, the ultimate he had a team great player. Block. I mean, he. Yes, does he want to catch the ball more? Is he capable of catching the ball more? But at the same time, I look at this and I go, these coaches know, right? They know they're the ones looking at his film. They're the ones looking at his practice film. We all want him to get more catches, to get more targets. But maybe there's a reason he's not getting more targets and more catches. He's not getting the separation he needs? I mean, I don't know. Now, I, I fully admit, we it's not like we're, we've had stellar quarterback play this year. I think that has a lot to do with it. But, I mean, you look at last year, he still didn't get a lot of touches. I mean, gra- granted, right, he only has two touchdown career um, catches at, at Utah. So, you know, I, I, we're, we're, I think we as a fan base, we're always so quick to put it on like, man, the quarterback and the offensive coordinator are not doing their job because they're not getting in the ball. I think there is some truth to that, but I think it's. I think if you 
you got to factor in everything. Is he is he truly doing what he needs to, or maybe he's playing a position in the offense that's just not designed to get a ton of balls thrown his way. But he is elite as a pass block or as a blocker on the outside. He is very good. He's a big reason why why Ty Jordan ran for that touchdown on fourth and one in the second half. He sealed he sealed the 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 edge for him. He's he's a, he's your ultimate team guy. He's a rah rah guy. He's celebrating with the guys, even if it's not his success. So you 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 got to be happy to have guys like that on your team. Uh, Brent Covey finishes with six receptions, 134 yards. Uh, he had that touchdown as we talked about earlier, 91 yards. Uh, Brent Keithy was heavily involved in the passing game uh, this past weekend. Six catches, 61 yards, and a broken tailbone or. Broken vertebrae. <laughs> can I? Can I? I oh, will can you say imagine though, how bad that hurt to get a helmet oh. just speared in the back. Oh. So on the fourth down run by Ty Jordan, that's that tied the game, right? I honestly think the biggest play of the game was on that third down with Keithy getting his toe down to set up oh, the yeah. fourth and one. Well, that was huge, and I I love it in the fact that Lisk put the ball up where his receiver could make a play. And I think that's something that we haven't really seen from Bentley is he wasn't willing to put the ball up to, to allow his guys to make plays like that. We saw the same play the night before in the Pac-12 championship game that cost USC to the championship. Dude, what was Slovis thinking <laughs> on that? <laughs> Just there was not even anyone wearing his team's colors in the picture besides the bench. And he doesn't even throw it to those guys. You got to throw it five yeah. rows deep. If, in that. <laughs> oh, that was awful to lose the Pac-12 title on something like that. What a what a moron! <laughs> but I think that third down play, it, I it just just spoke volumes of this team and how talented they are. And, and when I said at the beginning of the episode, where with this quarterback position, if Utah can just get average play out of that out of that quarterback position, they can be a favorite to win the South. They can be a favorite to win the Pac-12 championship. There's just so much talent built in this team and a lot of talent coming in. Um, as we've heard with these transfers, with signing day, the, the, I, I honestly think the, the, the sun is bright on this Utah program right now. And then an, another bright spot is this defense. Super young, but again, just, just proving again how great of a coaching staff this is from Scally to Shaw to Swan to, to Powell. What, what they've done with this young group, phenomenal. A pitch a shutout in the second half, just, it just speaks volumes. And, and Clark Phillips has one of his gr- best games as a Ute, a pick six, a fumble recovery. I know Scott doesn't like it, but it was a <laughs> oh great gosh. game. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I have a feeling... That uh, with knowing you two, you guys are going to uh, not let that die for four years. You're probably right. <laughs> no, I, as good as that de- second half defensive performance uh, was, we, we talked about it with the offense. I mean, in the first half was abysmal, and they looked, they looked like a young, inexperienced team in the first half, like. A lot like we thought or had heard, according to Whittingham, how what the defense would look like this year. I mean, he did not speak highly of the defense in fall camp. Well, and he he said as much. How so? Just 
Yeah, how surprised he is at mm-hmm. how good they are that they finished second in, in total defense in the Pac-12. But yeah, that first half, it, it wasn't pretty, right? There's there's hardly any pressure on DeLara. Uh, I mean, granted, they gave up 28 points. One of the touchdowns was on the offense because of the interception, was put them right on the goal line. But just night and day difference from what we saw out of the defense, first half, second half. And again, another thing that I think this team needs to work on in the offseason is putting a whole game together. Well, I mean, it was penalties in the first half. It was giving up big plays. I mean, we were just not very good in the passing game. Uh, Delara was pretty much getting whatever he wanted, and they were getting chunk play after chunk play. And there was missed assignments. I mean, the the rushing touchdown they had, I don't remember which one it was, uh, Tupai... To poopy is out. <laughs> oh, that was so bad. <laughs> is out of position. He's supposed to, to poopy. How do you get to poopy from that? He can't even get his first name right <laughs> either. I mean, I know we're we're used to kind of the Polynesian Tongan names, right? Because we've been we've seen them for for forever. Years. But I mean, some are tricky, but some are not that hard. Come on, there's no poopy in that. Anyway, but but my point is, he was out of position and couldn't make a play. Touchdown. I mean, just just technical thinking, thinking mistakes. But but again, in the second half, those adjustments, and that's that's a, the the thing that's encouraging is these coaches are going into halftime, going, "All right, guys, this isn't working. This is what we got to do." And then that plan is effective in the second half. Now, hopefully, right, that can translate into a full game and and, uh, and you don't have to have those really bad halves um, that you really just put yourself in the hole. But but again, with such a young team, I'll tell you what, I'd rather kind of have a really bad half and a really good half with a young team than just pretty average every game. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're they're showing their mistakes, maybe um maybe not fully understanding things, being out of position, but the fact that they can correct them that quickly in in a setting during halftime and then come out and be be that dominant in the second half for the second week in a row. They did the same thing against Colorado. So it's yeah, I mean, obviously Scally, I'll tell you. I hope we can hold on to him. The guy's got a reputation, and I think this year may have helped him more than last year did. Well, you're probably right. Because everyone expected them to be awful this year, and with a bunch of freaking young pups, he just he just was right near the top of the Pac-12 again. I mean, exactly. Everyone thought there was going to be a lot of growing pains with this defense. Let's, let's, just, let's just hopefully Mark Harlan listens to the podcast and, and uh, will do what's right for Morgan. I think you're right. I think Scally, he's always gonna, his name's always going to be on the top of the list whenever there are uh, coaching positions open throughout the country. What I really like about this defensive team is, is the short memory they have. And I think that's, that's hard to have with a young team is to have that short memory, meaning the first half didn't go well. They make, can make the adjustments and they can come out and perform at a high level. They don't dwell on their mistakes. Um, and I think you can kind of sometimes get that from young t- young guys and it takes leadership it takes coaching it takes that development for a young guy to kind of get out of his own head be able to realize okay that was just one play in the past i I can step up and make another play and i think clark phillips again great game two pass breakups one pick six one fumble recovery 
Nate Ritchie I had an, another spectacular game from a young guy. I think Utah's going to miss him. He's, he, he announced he's going on an LDS church mission this offseason, so he'll be gone for two years. You mean a, a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? I, he, he's going to be missed. He will be missed, but I think that spot will be filled by the new quarterback, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> no wit. I know, I know, I know you're already drawn up plays for safe, uh, him in the safety position, but come on. Keep him in the fold in the quarterback room. I mean, I, I, I somewhat kid about that. However, we've all seen it happen many times. Over but the I don't, years. I mean, I mean, yeah, anything's possible, right? But I mean, we're not going to be bare. I think Vontae Davis is going to be back next year. I, unless he's just done with football, because I don't know that he's five games is probably not going to be enough to get drafted. So I'll bet you Vontae comes back next year. Yeah, RJ oh, and, Hubert will be back. And, and hopefully he does because I've been impressed with Vontae. I was wrong about him all offseason, and he, he proved me wrong. He was an absolute stud this year. And then you're right, Von, or RJ Hubert comes back, played the last couple of games, um, and, and by next year he's going to be full, full speed, ready to go. Um, and then you you still got a lot of other young safeties. You got the freshman Latu who uh, will probably get some reps. And then you got a couple guys in this signing class, so there's there's the pipelines there. Um, we'll see who 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 rises to the top, but obviously that's that the safety position's looking good, the cornerback position's looking good, the linebacker. Even if Devin Lloyd goes goes pro this this off season, I think we're gonna be just fine. With Ethan Calvert's gonna take his spot, we're gonna be we're gonna be rock solid there. My a concern true is freshman starting at linebacker. Yeah, and we'll get into that. We'll get into mm-hmm. we'll get into our our new guys here in a little bit. But I'm telling you, our weakness is our defensive line. True or false? Do you not do you believe? A, it? I don't uh, think no, so. A tackle. I don't think yeah. tackle is yeah, a, is it, a weakness. But I think defensive end. We've we've we're used to seeing a lot more production out of the defensive end positions. Exactly. But I think interior line. I think we're. And, well, we're okay. and, and we're right. Good. I mean, interior. I mean, great Russian or in the in the we've been great to defend in the run, right? And 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 as young as we are, we're gonna the the, the tackles are gonna get better, but we're getting next to nothing from our ends. You you're getting a little bit, a little bit here and there from uh, Mika Tafua, but you're getting nothing from Tapupi. He. They so poo poo is what they say, and no, I mean, but, it, but you're, in all seriousness, we're not, we're not getting anything off of his well, side of the line. And it'll be interesting because Max Tupai, we thought was done with football, right? And then he came back this offseason. Does he come back again? Probably not. I mean, from a production standpoint, he was next to nothing. You've got Fillinger out there now, who's got some action this year. You've got the other Keithy brother. With a strip sack. But if if Blake Keithy, and all the talk is that he's just as talented and athletic as Brandt, and he just he just had some bad luck with the with the injuries. If if he if he comes on and is anything like the talk, he could be the answer there. Well, when we saw Blake, you know, uh, force a fumble in this game. Uh, he needs a good off season. I think that's his biggest thing is is because he he has been injured his whole. Utah career, if he can have a good off season, I think that will do wonders for him. Uh, but I didn't really agree with what you guys are saying. 
the the D end, I think, is the weakest position on Utah. I want to throw this out there. Do you think it's because of who has played there in the past? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's There's hard expectation. It, it's hard to follow up a Bradley and I. It's hard to follow up a Nate Orchard, a Nate Orchard, uh, a Paul Kruger. Uh, uh, but Dimmit. guys, we're Utah. That's what we do. Yes, is it hard? But that is what we do, and that's why we recruit the way that we do. From that standpoint, obviously, we're in a year where these guys aren't haven't lived up to the potential. But I think the pipeline is there to get back to that spot. Well, I mean, just so here here's some names. These are just defensive tackles, right? Which which we feel pretty confident about. We're pretty solid. Obviously, Viani Moela, he's a senior. Is he going to come back next year? Um, but he's he's a guy we counted on a lot this year. Um, uh, Fua Pututau, he's another young Pututau. Um, you got Hautai, is Hautai coming back? You've got Tanoa Togiai, who was a freshman, big time recruit. We'll, we'll get to see him in the future. We didn't even get to see Pitatonga this year. Um, Viamahi, another freshman. And then, and then you got Samisi Luaukai. Who who opted out? He was one of the few opt outs. Defensive tackle is absolutely loaded, but but when you go through the defensive end, you got Xavier Carlton, Van Fillinger, Blake Keithy, and uh, Mika Mika Sugatoraga. That's one of the names I can't I can't pronounce. <laughs> but we really didn't see a lot from from Mika this year, which surprised me because in the off season we 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 kept hearing how. He he's somebody to keep an eye. He showed on. flashes. Well, and he's he's showed flashes in the past, but I think that's because of who was on the other side of him, and and I think that's maybe his next progression is: can he be that guy? Can he be the leading sacker who's going to get double teamed? Who the running back is always going to tee off on? I think that's his next progression. Yeah, and and a guy I'm excited about was in last class, Tyler Wegus. Um Big, big, big kind of lanky kid that they're trying to work his body into getting up to up to up to size, but if if he can put on the weight, he's a guy that I think in the future could be be a stud on the defensive end. But that's that's where you got to get some production. You've got to, and and that makes it hard on a young secondary when these quarterbacks have all day in the pocket to just sit back there and find guys open play after play after play because these these dbs are not going to be able to keep that tight of coverage for that that long so you got you got to get improvement there all right so i think i'll kind of do our thoughts from this washington state game again ugly ugly first half beautiful second half you i'll kick it over to you guys any any final thoughts on the 2020 season yes i won breakout player of the year clearly you did have a good call with ty jordan Blind squirrel finds it out once in a while. <laughs> I hate you, Scott. <laughs> my, my, Welcome to the party. My my, uh, my breakout player literally never saw the field, <laughs> so he did not break out. Technically, he will still be available next year for breakout player of the year. Money Parks was my guy. Didn't get him. Who was your guy? Oh, Vele. Yeah, Vele. I was didn't really get. He didn't. Uh, he didn't perform like I think we all hoped for. But, you know, in wrapping up 2020, obviously, it went, we went from not having or not thinking we were going to get football, thinking we were going to get seven games, 
We ended up getting five games, which was great. I mean, it's five games is better than nothing. And I think what the what we saw was so much potential for what could be down the road in the next year or two. And and that's really exciting. Yeah, my my takeaway is, I mean, it's just weird. It was just weird. It was unfortunate. It was, it was hard for obviously. I mean, you you hear these comments from the from the players and from the coaching staff how hard of a season it was. But I guess my takeaway is, even though we only got five games, look how much we learned about this team. Ty Jordan forced two studs, three studs, you could actually argue, into the transfer portal. We now know exactly what he's capable of and what a star he is. We, we know this young secondary, which we had so many questions about preseason, is legit, and they're going to be really good in the future. So, I mean, even though you can't take a ton away um, from the result standpoint of this season, we learned a lot, and these guys got some valuable experience, which is going to be huge for 2021. So had we stayed with the cancellation of the season and and saw no games, we're still left wondering, and there's still tons of questions. So at least we were able to answer some of those questions and and see kind of what the future looks like a little bit. All right, so we're up against another break. Uh, When we come back, I want to get into it. Some exciting transfer news, some very exciting signing day news. So we come back, let's jump into it. Alrighty, so after the Washington State game, it did look like Utah's quarterback cupboard was going to be very bare. There was already talk before the game that this was probably going to be the last game for Bentley and Lisk. Uh, so we kind of knew going into well, the offseason. He'd only play a half and then he'd be done. <laughs> <laughs> what we were expecting after the game was really Utah would have Cam Rising coming back from shoulder surgery and maybe he's going to miss spring ball, hopefully be ready for fall, and a incoming freshman in Peter Costelli. News broke 24 hours from the game. Utah picks up a commit from Texas transfer Jaquadin Jackson, a former four-star. The kid's a stud. Six foot two, 232. I'm so excited for this. Yeah, I mean, he looks he looks the part, doesn't he? I mean, he's got a body on him. Um, everything that you, I mean, at this point, you know, it's kind of what you've seen his high school years. Um, and, and obviously what you're getting from the state of Texas, from a lot of guys who've followed his, um, high school career. And then even, even signing with Texas last year, they're pretty high on him They're I mean, that you've, I've heard a few interviews to this point where they're devastated that they lost him because some view him. And again, let's let's remember it's hard to predict these quarterbacks. Some some take and others don't. But some a lot of them are viewing him as a generational talent, a, a program changing talent that Texas just lost. Just looking at rankings and ratings for him, coming out of high school, he's a four-star kid. He is the highest-rated quarterback Utah has ever had commit to the program. The highest quarterback He's the third highest prospect ever. 
And I mean, he hasn't Whittingham signed with doesn't U- know what to do with himself. <laughs> Utah, he hasn't signed with Utah yet, right? So, but he he it's, he committed via Instagram. That's like as that's as good as a a binding letter of intent. So as great as, as a fax machine, yeah, for sure. As great as Ty Jordan is on the field, Ty Jordan may be even better off the field. Ty Jordan was involved in this. Oh no, there's no doubt about it. They're buddies. They both were committed. If you if if you've forgotten, Ty Jordan was committed to Texas last year, right up until signing day. Utah flips him last second. Oklahoma tried to then flip him from Utah, and uh, and you're seeing why those two programs wanted Ty Jordan so bad. And and now Ty's saying, "Hey, look look what I'm doing up here. Come 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 join me. Come be a part of this. Come be in the backfield with me. And let's just go win a bunch of Pac-12 championships. Let's go play some in some Rose Bowls. And um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if this guy is the real deal. And with a little tutelage from from Ludwig, can he can he can he be that guy? Because you look at it." You've got, you've got, and I'm going to call him Q-Jack. That's my nickname for him. Because his first name's, I'll just mess up his first name. And I kind of like the nickname Q-Jack. I don't know why, but I do. Okay, Buller. <laughs> oh, don't call me that. That's <laughs> that's disappointing. <laughs> Booner? <laughs> I'd rather be, I'd actually rather be Booner, yeah. But all Utah needs is to hit on one of these guys. They're they're not all gonna get an opportunity. Is Jackson gonna end up being the guy, or does he place a wide receiver position, a tight end position? Does he move to defense, or do you just see him more of a, of the wildcat type quarterback? You know, Costelli still still is gonna be a stud. You still got Cam Rising, and then obviously uh, they even added one more to the to the pool here, Cam. Charlie Brewer from Baylor, a grad transfer. I mean, it, we were all excited about the Jackson news. And then we get the next day, Charlie Brewer commits out of the transfer portal. I, I really like adding a seasoned quarterback into that quarterback room because they're going to be young. So to bring in a seasoned guy that can kind of help tutor these these younger quarterbacks is big. And, and, and Charlie Brewer is, is a great quarterback. He's played four seasons for the Bears. He's had over 9,000 yards passing, two seasons of which he had over 3,000 yards passing, led them to the Sugar Bowl last year against Georgia. Just another big pickup for Utah. And all all of a sudden, Utah went from really nothing in the quarterback room to now having four guys that are four-star recruits that could all easily be the starter. And again, you just need one of them to hit. I mean, we have not had the mo- the most luck with quarterbacks, right? We're the Denver Broncos. Yeah, we are. Pack the Pac-12 when it comes to quarterbacks. You know, Tyler Huntley gave us that good feeling again. And then uh, this year we kind of came back down to earth. Just got to have one of these guys hit. It's really exciting. I mean, I don't. none of us saw this coming from this weekend. Um, but going back to a point Scott made, there's four guys, all of them four stars. You have to hit on one. That leaves three guys who are not going to see some action. And I can totally see Scally and Witt salivating on the other side of the ball for a stud athlete. Okay, but you, but you can't. 
because every big-time program has log jams at the quarterback position. USC just signed I'm not a bunch of four-star kids but we today seen or this it. week. We have seen them do this. They, they have stolen offensive talent. I know, I know. Year I'm just saying after year they after can't. Year. But, but look at it, though. Who have they stolen that should have been a starting quarterback? Chase Hansen? No. I'm, I'm not knocking Chase. He's a great athlete. Jason Shelley, for Pete's <laughs> sakes, was going to move to safety. I'm kidding. And, and, and there's, there's, there's no doubt that that trend's been there, but that trend seemed to be more of a Mountain West, right? When they did a lot of projecting. The reason they got Paul Kruger, right? He was a quarterback in high school, but they looked at, they looked at his body type. They projected out, and obviously it proved to be right. He ended up playing a number of years in the NFL. So you... you well, you're you, still seeing it from position to position, yeah, but, but not so much from the quarterback position anymore. You can just as just a few years back to Chase Hansen, he was recruited as a quarterback, and and he literally gave they they really didn't give him much of an opportunity. They said, "All right, go in there." Yep. Did you see? You're not going to make it. All right, come up, come play for the defense. And and I hope uh, I hope all four of these guys get an opportunity. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. There's going to be three guys who are not going to play, so that which probably leads to more transfers. It, it will, and and that's why you have to year after year. You've got to keep that. You got to keep big recruits coming in because that is a position. If you're not the starter, a lot of guys are not willing to sit there for a year, for a two years, and wait their turn. They're going to look for that next opportunity elsewhere, which is why we're getting these guys right because they didn't win it. Cam Rising didn't win the starting job at Texas. Jackson didn't win the starting job at Texas. So they're going, hey, I'm going to look elsewhere. But I think you're going to see that across the board, not just the quarterback position. Yeah, right? for sure. I mean, in the last two weeks, there's been over 200 guys entering the transfer portal. There's There there are more guys in the transfer portal, portal than that are spots available on teams. I, and that's just the way college football is, is moving towards, right? But... If you're going to have four guys and four four-star quarterbacks in, the, in in a room, and your biggest problem is you're worried about them transferring because they can't get on the field because you're so talented there, I think that's a great problem to have. Honestly, oh yeah. I mean, you don't want but, guys to leave. I'm not advocating that at all. But you got to have that. that you, you, got, you, if you got to pick your poison. You, you either want to have as much talent as you can, and program you can, if you don't have that lined up at quarterback. Exactly, and you and you want to be able to control your destiny as as a, as a, as, a, as a coaching staff. You want to be able to be able to pick. Oh, I have four star quarterbacks. Who do I want to start? Rather than oh, I have one rated, highly rated quarterback, and then a bunch of preferred walk ons. Well, injuries are still going to happen, guys. Exactly. How many quarterbacks have we lost? We we never have a quarterback play every game of the season because they get injured, especially in the offense where you're running your quarterback. So you've got to be you have I mean you have to have four scholarship quarterbacks on your roster year in and year out. I, 3 is not even enough nowadays. You have to have four. And and now we finally do it. Yeah, and you are going to have some transfers, but if if one goes down, maybe two go down, you got to have depth there to be able to to jump in and be able to run the offense effectively. So, you know, Utah, if we're going to do this, we got to be okay with transfers coming, and you got to be okay with transfers leaving because that's the name of the game nowadays. And if that's what it takes, who cares? Do it. 
Well, we didn't see enough of Cam Rising to even make a judgment of how good he's going to be. But if you go no. back to some comments that Whittingham made during fall camp of how tight the quarterback race was between Bentley and Rising, if that statement's accurate, then Rising is not the answer either. Well, I heard something that the quarterback race between Bentley and Lisk was closer than it was Bentley and Rising. Which I hope is accurate. because, And maybe that was just coach speak to I keep him motivated through the fall camp. And before he, you know, a decision was made, he didn't want to make, he didn't want to make a decision and have, have them lose, you know, lose the quarterback room or um, unmotivate some of these guys. So maybe that, maybe that's the case. And I hope that's, hope that's yeah, but, so. But you're right. We don't, we truly don't know about rising. Mm-mm. And now obviously there was a lot of good things said about him when he was running the scout team, the year he was ineligible and in, uh, just last year. So there's a lot of positive behind him. I and think there's a lot of question marks with the surgery. Oh, how for do we sure. know? There's no doubt. I mean, they already have said he's not going to participate in spring. He might be ready for fall. And if he is, how well is his shoulder even going to be able to hold up? I mean, we talked to Jordan Wynn uh, two weeks ago on the podcast, and he talked about how it took a while for him to have faith and trust in his shoulder to really let it rip. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, I obviously, I, I would love to see if Rising could could win the starting job next year. I think that's best case scenario because if he can win it over a, a Charlie Brewer, then I think we're in really good shape. Well, especially from his 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 being in the program for two years, he knows the offense. He does, and if he can, if he can translate that onto production on the field, that's a no brainer. Yeah, I'm just I'm I, again I I'm not super confident that that shoulder is going to be as good as maybe we all hope it to be. And even if the shoulder checks out okay, and just like Jordan said. A lot of it was the mental aspect of, of playing that position after a surgery like that. So you you got to hope the physical side goes right, but then the mental needs to follow suit. I, I think there's a lot. I mean, you're right. All that all this is true, but I think medical technology and seat and surgeries have improved in the last ten years. I bet the outcome of those types of surgeries are better than they were ten years. I think right. that's a very valid point. And Utah financially is in a lot better position than when they were when Travis went or when Jordan went through it, right? The facilities are better, the medical For staff sure. is better. But it's still the it's still the human body. Oh yeah. That just There's no guarantee. Just had a lot of trauma done to it only on the most important bo- body part for a quarterback. So hopefully, best case scenario, he'll be good to go. But uh and if he is we're in great shape. If he's not, that's what scared all the U fans, right? If Rising can't go, we're screwed. Well, guess what? We're probably not so screwed anymore. So, really like what the coaches did. Huge, obviously. And if if the promise was to Costelli, you're our only quarterback in this class, they did a, they did a very nice job of getting him signed before they brought in those other two guys. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about the signing class. We have to take our last break, and we come back. Let's do the 2021 sign, early signing period. All right, so Utah's coming off one of their best signing classes 
uh, that they've had in, in program history. Uh, top 30 class, or fourth in the Pac-12, and it, it's highlighted by four-star linebacker Ethan Calvert. Th- this, I mm, mean, mm, we, we just talked about a generational talent with Jackson at quarterback position. Ethan Calvert is a generational talent at the linebacking position. Oh, I mean, this guy, this guy could do it all. I mean, he's got size, he's got speed, had every big-time program in the country coming after him. You know, I, I, I saw on signing day that uh, um, as, a, as a young high school kid, he was able to go up against uh, um, um, Micah Pittman, remember, who killed us at USC. And uh, and as a young high school kid, shut him down in high school. So um, obviously, you know, you always have to you always have to wait and see how these guys and all this hype does it produce at the next level. But he's one of those guys I think is going to be a plug and play guy at the linebacker position, especially if Lloyd does end up leaving for the NFL. I mean, he's the fourth highest rated inside linebacker in the country. What's not to like about that? Can't you can't go wrong with it? Uh, another, you know, kind of a late commit that signed uh, Micah Cope, wide receiver out of Culver City, California. This was a, a big get for Utah. He had offers to every Pac-12 school, six to one hundred ninety. Uh, Utah needed depth at at the wide receiver position, um, and that's you know also assuming that all the wide receivers are coming back next season. Uh, and, and to add depth there with the three-star kid, huge, huge for this for this program. Oh yeah, no, it was. I mean, this class is not the biggest class, sixteen commits, but I think I think the thing that uh, overall, I mean, there's some absolute studs in here, but it is depth. This recruiting class put Utah finishing number four in the conference, number uh, twenty-nine nationally overall, with sixteen commits. Guys, I think we've arrived. I think that this is this is where we've been shooting for is to get over that hump, to get over from being the, you know the the eighth, the seventh, or even the sixth highest rated uh, class in the Pac-12. To now, we're right there. We're right there with Washington, and with USC, and obviously Oregon's. You know, I mean, those guys are still recruiting absolute insane guys. But with what the trend that Utah's doing on the recruiting trail right now should be scary for the rest of the Pac-12. Well, and I think that's the biggest improvement we've seen year after year in recruiting is, you know, there were years ago where we were battling Mountain West teams for guys. We were battling the team down south for guys. Yeah, we were battling BYU, which, oh, damn, those are dark days. And now, you know, we, we were just getting, I mean, I remember when Utah was just getting in the door for USC guys and in the door for Washington guys. Now Utah's going head to head and they're and they're winning those recruiting battles. And I think it, it all goes back to this coaching staff. What they're able to do to develop guys, what they're doing to get guys in the NFL, that's what recruits want to see. Well and they want to see success too. The last two years we've we played for the Pac twelve South title. Last year we were in the hunt late in the season for the playoff berth. Charlie Brewer said last year Utah's run um, to the college football playoff was a big reason why he considered Utah coming here this year. Is guys want to play for teams that have success, teams that can get that national attention and play at the high, play at a high level. 
Utah does that year in and year out. And with some of these guys, we're going to continue to do it. I mean, Peter Costelli, I know there's a lot of controversy over uh, Jackson Dart, the local kid here who was a, a Ute legacy, um, ends up going to USC. But Peter Costelli is an absolute stud and somebody who Ute fans should get behind because he's got good size, he's got good arms. And he. one thing I think people are forgetting is he was rated as a four-star recruit as a junior. So it isn't like he just blew up his senior year and got that fourth star. Last year, he was rated as a junior, as a four-star. Didn't even play his senior year of high school. He's got a ton of potential. And uh, again, as we talked about earlier, that position is now locked down. And Peter will be in on campus in January. Um, I think that's big. Uh, for quarterbacks to come in early, to get that spring ball in but before the upcoming season is huge for their development. Uh, so, yes, yeah, super excited for, for Peter Costelli. Ricky Parks is another running back stud out of Florida. Looking forward to seeing what he can do. Tavita Fotu out of Snow College, uh, a three-star D tackle. I mean, we can just go on and on. L- let's really give who who we are excited about. Ryan, we'll kick it over to you. Who has really caught your eye in the signing class? Clearly, they they found a running back well in Florida, and uh, and you just mentioned Cam going after Ricky Parks, another three star kid um, with with looks like a bright bright future, um, and obviously you know that's where Zach Moss came from, and in Florida, traditionally has uh, some great athletes. So this is a, this is a great pick, uh, great pick for Utah. Scott, who caught your eye? Jeez, there's so many guys that caught my eye. I mean, this class overall is just deep. But a guy who I think has has the potential to kind of be an absolute star, outside of obviously, you know, a Costelli or an Ethan Calvert, I'm my guy, Veltre Jefferson, outside linebacker, probably is going to end up at a D end. He's got good size, 6'4", 230 out of high school. So you know he once he gets in the Utah weight program and uh, and and has a year or two under his belt, dudes get a, I think he's going to end up as a defensive end, and he's he's got just raw athleticism. He's got speed and quickness. I think he could be an absolute star to hopefully you know be that type of defensive end that we be, we've become accustomed to. Assuming that's where he ends up. You know he may stay at that linebacker position, but regardless, either either way, either we're way, we're gonna be in six four two thirty out of high school at playing either position. I mean that's Lloyd, that's essentially Lloyd. That's Ethan Calvert. Yeah. So I'll tell you. I mean these are guys that Utah doesn't sniff years ago, as you just said, Cam. Like we're we're not even coming close to these guys to be able to sign a class. I mean, think about this for a minute. Only 16 commits where a lot of schools are doing 20 plus, 25 commits. And we're right there with them. Just quality guys all across the board. And again, when you put that type of talent with what Utah does in in developing that talent, we got a bright future ahead. So for me, this is a guy I think kind of gets overshadowed a little bit because uh, of the signee and Ethan Calvert. But Mason Tafuga, 
a linebacker out of Honolulu, Hawaii. He's a four-star kid, and he doesn't get a, a lot of talk, I think, right now because of Ethan Calvert. But I absolutely love Mason. He had offers to every single school in the Pac-12, Oregon, USC. They all went after him. Kind of tall, lanky. Um, needs to put on uh, on on some weight. Uh, but he, physical tackler loves contact around the line of scrimmage. But he also he he's pretty good in, in coverage as a linebacker. And it's just it it, it create it just blows my mind that. Again, the, a four-star linebacker getting offers from every school in the Pac-12, and he's not even the highlight of this class. That just shows you how deep, deep the talent is that that Utah's bringing in. Did you did you see his commitment video that he posted on signing day? Uh, being in Hawaii, he goes over to some cliff, draped in a Utah flag, and then just jumps off the cliff into the ocean. <laughs> see that? That was awesome. That's legit. <laughs> Sign me up for that guy. He's going to be a good linebacker. He obviously isn't scared of much. So try try running third and short on that dude. So that's kind of a, a rundown of the early signing period. Uh, there's another signing day in February, the traditional signing day. Uh, I don't. I think Utah has a lot of spots left available. Um, I, I, you know, I kind of think they'll be a little bit more um, proactive in the transfer portal because there's so many guys in there. Wouldn't be surprised if Utah brings in another wide receiver um, out of there. Uh, but we'll see. But the future is bright is what we've talked about. The future is very bright with this Utah program. All right. So that will do it for this episode. Uh, just appreciate everyone listening in this whole season. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? Yeah, Ute Man underscore forever. It's going to be a long off season, so uh, not as long as the last off season. That is true. Hopefully, it's not nearly as long, and hopefully, we're back in Rice Eccles next year. That news end zone. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be awesome. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast, our home UtahManPodcast dot com, and you can always subscribe, review, rate on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you listen to a podcast. We are there. And we hope everyone has a great Christmas, a great holiday, whatever you celebrate. I hope it's an awesome day for you and that Utah continues to grow this program and go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. Kayai. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. Morgan's always going to be a hot commodity uh, in the in the coaching circus, but I will circus. say, or it's not what I don't want to. What carousel circuit? circuit, coaching circuit, coaching circuit. Okay, or circus. coaching circus or coaching carousel <laughs> or or coaching. <laughs> it's a small world. <laughs> is that not the right term? I swear I've heard that before. Well, there is a coaching carousel. I'm not sure you use it in that. I mean, yeah, I'm sure you could use it. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, you could use it. <laughs> I hate Scott. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Ken. It's right up your alley. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd say that, but but people expect that from you. <laughs> I hate him so much. I really hope we can feel his spot next season. I think the transfer portal is open for Scott. <laughs> hey, I, 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 I took. Can you force people into the transfer portal? I took my lumps with the pres, the president fan club.